0: great today to be in the house of the Lord. Would you take your Bibles today and go to the book of Acts, if you would? Let me greet our campuses today. My name is Eddie Couples. I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministries, and I'm thankful for what God is doing in every location of Love and Truth Church. And as we go into the word of the Lord today, I believe that God has a word for you for your life today. Let me talk to you today. We began last week on this subject of making my life count. Now, I want to tell you, I believe with all of my heart that were born with a purpose, that you have a destiny to fulfill, that it's not just about showing up, living a certain amount of years, working really hard, getting a few things together, and then one day moving from being vertical to being horizontal. You do understand, right? I talked to somebody earlier this morning, and I said, how are you doing? They said, well, I'm still vertical. I said, that's great, because I said, when you get horizontal, they bury you. Right? And, and so what happens a lot of times is, is that uh, we, we have the tendency to think, well, my life doesn't really matter. My life doesn't really count. And yet, if God created you, if God made you, then I promise you there is a purpose for your life and there is a way that you can make your life count. Now last week we began in the book of Acts chapter 2, and that's where we're going to be again today. And we talked last week out of Acts chapter 2 of how that they heard the word of God preached to them. And as they heard the word of God preached, they said, what do we do? How do we get saved? And the Apostle Peter told them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you, to your children, and all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And so lastly... We talked about that you and I have to pursue a relationship with Jesus Christ. We know that He first loved us. We know that He gave Himself for us. But now it's up to us to get involved in the process of pursuing Him, of going after Him, so that He can be the the king and and the ruler of our life. And, And so that's what we talked about last week. We talked about Him becoming our Savior Today, I'm going to be talking about moving. Last week was about pursuing. Today is going to be about moving. So would you look in your Bibles, in the book of Acts, the second chapter, and I want to read to you uh, out of verse number 42 is where we're going to be the the rest of the morning. Uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, I'm reading out of the New International Version of the Bible, and it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and two, prayer. Now, these are those who had just gotten saved these are those who just came into relationship with Jesus Christ and now it says and they devoted themselves to the Apostles teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer now here's what I want to tell you about this whole thing about Jesus Christ and a relationship with him and that is this it's not about legalism it's not about I do certain things to get God to love me let me help you God me. Loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that's a subtle fact we also know that the scripture says god is love and so god loves you that's a settled deal you don't have to get up in the morning worrying about whether or not he still loves you he does He's settled it it's over okay so we can live that but but here's what this process is about it's it's really about the right attitude how many of you know that that the attitude that you have makes a huge difference in how your life is lived right? Uh, see, the, the attitude that we need, according to the, verses that I, the verse I read to you today, the attitude that we need is one of a passionate heart about the things of God. The Bible says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship. Uh, in other words, they were passionately pursuing Jesus Christ. Now, let me talk to you just a minute. How many of you remember when you first got into your relationship with whoever you've been in a relationship with? Some of you are saying, yeah, I remember. Oh, Jesus, help me. I don't have time for marriage counseling. All right? Here, here's what I want to tell you is that for, for you to really bring that person into your life, I promise you, you were passionate about it. You, you were, I mean, you, you couldn't wait. I mean, you would, you would spend hours and hours with them, and, and then you'd go home and call them right or you'd you text them or you know nowadays you'll Facebook them or you'll you know you'll you'll FaceTime you'll you will do something I mean you just you just spent all day long with them Boy, some of you forgotten I can tell it's like huh I don't remember that yeah you used to do that you used to be passionate in fact that's what happens to us is that we lose that passion but the, the thing about living for Jesus Christ and about really moving forward and making my life count is that I've got to be passionate about what God has called me to. Now, I, I'm going to kind of spend a little while in this passage that we read to you today. I'm just going to break it down and talk to you about what we need in our lives to continue moving into everything that God has for us. The first part of that verse says that they devoted themselves. That word devoted has a couple of meanings. It means that they were set apart. It's, it's the Old Testament word for sanctification. If you've ever read in the Old Testament, what you find is, is that God told Moses to build a tabernacle. And he, he gave him all kind of instructions about the tabernacle. And then he said, I want you to put certain things in that tabernacle. I want you to, to build an altar, and I want it to be uh, certain aspects of it, certain dimensions. I want it to be made out of certain things. Then he said, I want you to put a brazen laver in there. And then he said, I want some candlesticks. And I and, and he, he named all these things. And once they built all of these instruments the bible says that they consecrated them or they sanctified them which means they set them apart for only one use in other words they weren't supposed to take the the altar and take it to their tent and use it to stay warm with all right. It had a specific purpose. It had been set apart, and if it was used for anything else, God's judgment literally came upon whoever used it in the wrong way. And, and so what that word means that when we are devoted to God, it means that we have been set apart for the glory of God. Now, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says you are not your own. Now, here's, here's what I find. Can, can, I, can I give you a revelation today, maybe something that, that you'll go, no, I can't believe he's saying that, but it really is true. Do, do you understand today that there are a lot of people who say that there are Christians, but they're not? They, they walked an aisle, they shook a preacher's hand, they repented, they cried, they, whatever their tradition was, but they have never, ever devoted themselves to God. I want you to understand today that God wants you, let me make it a little stronger, God expects you to give your life totally to Him. You are not your own. You are bought with a price, the Bible says. And the Scripture tells us what that price is. It says that you were not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold, but by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. So I have been bought, I have been set apart unto God. And so I need to devote myself to the Lord. See, here, here's what I find uh, a, a lot of times. The, the other aspect of that word not only means that they are set apart, it means that they are strongly attached. All right? I'm set apart, but I'm attached to something. It's kind of like when you get married. Right? You're set apart, but you need to be attached there's a lot of people set apart, but they're not attached. All right? Don't, don't live like you're still single once you get married. Right? I mean, you, you've got to turn your affections from out there. You know, you, you, you can't be Facebooking with, you know, old boyfriends and, and calling up, you know. Man, y'all get quiet in here. Just talk to the camera, all right? You you know, you you can't be pursuing somebody at work and and expect your marriage to be healthy. Why? Because you aren't strongly attached. And, And that's what God's called us to do, is that He has said, look, I want you to devote yourselves. I want you not only to be set apart to me, but I want you to attach yourself to the things of the kingdom of God. I want you to care more about the kingdom. In fact, the Bible says it this way. Set your affections on things above, not on the things of this earth. Why? Because I have been bought by God Almighty. And so, therefore, he owns my life. He is, let, me, let me do this. He is not just your Savior. He is also your Lord. And that means, watch it, he owns you. He owns you. And and here's what I find about so many Christians is is that we think we can live any way we want to. We can just do what we want to. And yet the Word of God says, no, 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 you are to live differently, uh uh-oh, than the world. The Bible even says it this way. Scripture says that you are to glorify God in your body, which belongs to the Lord. Well, I can just do what I want to. No, you can't. Well, I, I, can, I can just, I'm going to get in trouble. I, I can just sleep with whoever I want to. No, you can't. I, I can just do with my body whatever I No, you can't. Why? Because your body does not belong to you. It belongs to God. So I've got to, if I'm going to be a genuine Christian, now remember last week I talked to you about mercy and grace. Right? Mercy is the, the love of God that shows up in my life and does not give me what I deserve. That's what mercy is. Mercy says, uh, I know you deserve punishment. I know you have deserved death. I know you deserve hell, but I'm not going to give that to you. That's what mercy is. And the Bible says the mercies of the Lord are new every morning. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I just thank Him for it every day. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy, because I sure need it. Grace... It's not what a lot of us think it is. People say, well, I I live under grace. Don't put that legalism on me. Don't don't tell me I can't do certain things. I have grace. Wait a minute. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 6 said, Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He vehemently comes back and says, God forbid how shall we that are dead to sin continue any longer therein? See, here's what grace is. Grace is not just something that lets me slip and slide and do what I want to. Grace is, remember, mercy is not not getting what I do deserve. Grace is getting what I don't deserve. What do I not deserve? I don't deserve the power of God. I don't deserve the anointing of God. I don't deserve the Spirit of God, but grace comes into my life and allows me to live the abundant life that Jesus Christ has called me to live. And that's what it means to be devoted to God Almighty, is that I am thankful for His mercy, but I am living in His grace. And when I understand that, I devote myself to God day in and day out i'm living that way and that's what god's called us to do i can't settle for just being savior i've got to allow him to be lord so they devoted themselves and what did they devote themselves to the next thing there next couple of words says they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching the good news the gospel is what they devoted themselves to now it's interesting to me let me help you how many of you understand that the apostles did not have the New Testament, right? All they had was the Old Testament. I have so many people say, well, you know, the Old Testament is just the law and it's passed away. No, come on. The apostles used the Old Testament to show us Jesus Christ. The apostles went out of it. Listen, Jesus said it this way. He said, not one jot nor one tittle. That means not one comma, not one period shall pass away from the Old Testament. He said, it's going to bring us to a place of fulfillment. Now, I understand. Thank God. We're, we're in the process of reading. I don't know how many of you are reading with us online through the Bible. I hope you are. Uh, but we're right now in all that Exodus and Leviticus part. Uh, you know, that part I was reading this week uh, about, you know, with skin disease. And if you had a skin disease, you got to go and show yourself to the priest, and and he's got to determine. I I, I was going, thank you, Jesus, we don't have to do that. I, I can't imagine on Sunday morning all of you lining up saying, Pastor, I got this problem, I got that. Hey Amen. I'm glad for all the doctors in the house, they can come and tell you, all right? Uh, but but it's, it's, you know, it's interesting. So you read the Old Testament, and you go, wait a minute. I, and I understand, so a lot of it is, has been fulfilled. A lot of it's not applicable in our day and age. But what we have to understand is, is that the principles and the knowledge and the authority of the Old Testament rolls right into the New Testament. The apostles used the Old Testament to to reveal to us Jesus the Messiah. In other words, the whole Bible is for my edification, it's for my encouragement, it's for my strengthening as I read it. And so they continued, the Bible says, in the apostles' teaching, in the apostles' doctrine. Now watch, the Bible says that faith cometh by Hearing. hearing and hearing by the word of God. People say, well, you know what? This this going to church thing, I don't, I don't think I ought to have to go to church. I, you know, me there's a song back way back in the day. It says, me and Jesus got our own thing going. That is the worst theology ever. All right? Why? Because when you come into the house of God, when you come into the ecclesia, the called out ones, when you come together, you hear the word of God preached, you hear the word of God taught. And as you do, it brings faith into your life and you need to hear preaching and teaching. You know, people, people are, are, are finding all these new things. Well, we're, ju- we're just going to sit. We, we're going to have a house church because it's new. This is the new wave. Let me help you. We tried that in the 70s. It was called the Jesus Movement, the, the hippie movement. It was all, we, you know, they sat around with guitars sitting on the floor in dirty blue jeans and singing, you know, Kumbaya or whatever. And they found out that as wonderful as home fellowship was, they still needed the corporate setting. And they came together and all of a sudden we righted the ship and things went along and now all of a sudden uh in in this new millennium we're we're trying to recreate what we've already figured out didn't work back then why listen jesus christ fought so much of this thing called the church that he gave his life for it have you ever heard somebody say well i love jesus but i just don't like the church ever heard that i mean that makes me mad No, really. When when somebody talks bad about the local church, I get ticked. that's That's like walking up to a man and his wife standing there and go, Man, I really like you, but I can't stand your wife. You might find yourself getting back up. Why? Because Jesus Christ told the apostle Peter, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock, what rock, the rock of the revelation of who Jesus was, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so when we come together, we're, we're hearing the word of God. We're studying the Bible. It says we study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed. And so we do that day in and day out. Uh, as we go through our life, listen, I, I love uh, watching uh, preachers on television. Well, some of them. Uh, you know, I, I have learned more uh, from Dr. Charles Stanley than just about any preacher I've ever known. Dr. Stanley just has a way of going, listen, 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 and I listen when he does that. And he teaches me, and, and, and he helps me, and, and, and then I, I, I catch T.D. Jakes, and he goes, get ready, get ready, get ready. I go, I'm ready. Come on, let's go. And he'll he'll say more in five minutes, and I'll say all week long, you know. And and I I love that. But you know what? I've also found out that that there needs to be a place that I go. That's the local fellowship that God has me a part of. Why? Because in that setting, I hear the teaching of the Word of God. And it doesn't stop there. It said that they continued, they devoted themselves to the Apostles' teaching and to fellowship. And breaking bread now who do I have fellowship with when I come together with other believers first of all I have fellowship with God scripture says this one can put a thousand to flight but two can put ten thousand all right that's logarithms you move into a to a whole new place with that now when you understand that when you come together with the body of Christ what is happening in the midst of the house is that we are fellowshipping with God, I believe, at a level that does not happen anywhere else. Doesn't mean I don't have my own prayer time. Does not mean that I don't have my own study time and reading the Word. All those are powerful, all those are needed. But when I come together with other believers, something happens. There's fellowship that takes place with God. At a level that I don't even understand. The word fellowship there is the word koinonia. That word, I'm not trying to give you a Greek lesson, but that word means that we share something in common. All right? So when I come together, have you ever, listen, we we get to travel some and and go to other countries and, and preach and do things, and it's interesting. They'll be speaking another language. They'll be singing songs that I don't understand. They'll be playing in keys that we have never, ever played in in America. In fact, I don't even think it's on the keyboard, the keys they play in in Kenya. Uh, I mean, it's, it's something out there. But, but there, is, there is a sense of the presence of God. You, you just know. You don't know what they're saying. You don't know what they're singing. But you sense the presence of God when you come. Why? Because that's fellowship. Some of us know what it's like to to have family members who aren't believers, and we feel more connected sometimes with those who are in the body than we do with those who are even our own flesh and blood. Why? Because of this thing called fellowship that we have. So I have fellowship with God, but I also have fellowship with one another. All right? I, I, I need to... I need to go out of my way to be known. I I need to go out of my way to be involved in people's lives. Let let me talk to you just a second about this. Uh, When when you come to a church that's maybe a little bit larger, it's easy just to come in and sit. It's it's easy just to kind of skirt your way through the foyer area and come in and sit. But you know what? Part of going to church is not just about hearing singing or hearing preaching. It really is about one another. Over 50 times in the New Testament, the Word of God talks about one another, serve one another, pray for one another, love one another. And so it's needful for us to be involved with one another. So how do I do that? Well, there's this whole aspect. I want to talk about sharing for a minute, that word koinonia. That word koinonia talks about what we share in common. What is it we share in common? Well, we share in some things together. What is that? We share in the experience and the presence of God together. But we share out together also, not only in, but also out. And here's what we share out. We we talk about it a lot in this house, that you are blessed to be a blessing. See, I believe with all of my heart that you need, and I'm going to kind of tread on some dangerous waters here. I believe with all my heart that you need to have a home church. Well, I got a few amens, so I'm going to keep going. Not only do I believe you ought to have a home church, I believe in membership in that local church. I, I believe, listen, if the Kiwanis Club or the Lions Club or whatever wants me to be a member when I show up, I think it's okay for the church to want me to be a member. You say, well, why? So you can have a big attendance? No, we, the attendance doesn't matter. It, it is about having a place to belong. You know, we, we talk about it a lot. I, I would encourage you. There may, there may be some of you watching or some of you here, and, and you, you come and, and you love it, but you never, ever become a member. I, I challenge you. Go through the growth track process. Get involved. It's, it's, a, it's a great way to learn about some things. It's a great way to sharpen your life. It's a great way to, to take you to the next level with the Lord. But it's also a great way for you to get involved in being a blessing. It's not a, I I don't want to just be taking in. I want to also be giving out. And so this whole aspect of having fellowship is not just about coming together, worshiping. It really is about serving. It is about being involved in other people's lives. It's about caring for one another. It's about being concerned about what's happening in someone else's life. And as we do that, in fact, if if you'll read on uh, in this chapter there, you'll find out that they they became so concerned uh, that they began to bring their finances and lay it at the apostles' feet so that the people's needs could be met. You know what? I wonder what would happen if the church had that same kind of mentality today, that we cared so deeply for one another that we did not allow one another to suffer. It's a revolutionary thought, isn't it? But that's what it means. So so I challenge you. If you're not, if, if love and truth is your home, it's your church, then I challenge you. Get plugged in. Get into serving. Get into a ministry. Let the Lord Use you and use the abilities and the talents that you have. And then it goes on that not only do they continue in fellowship and breaking of bread. And that breaking of bread is is a two-level that's eating together and it's also communion. And uh, we all understand that. But then it says, and prayers. And I want to tell you, it's needful for us to pray. The one thing that the disciples asked the Lord was they said, Lord, teach us not to preach, not to raise the dead and cast out devils. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. Why? Because they knew that all the miraculous, all the powerful things that were happening in Jesus' life came out of his prayer time. I mean, how many times do you read in scripture where Jesus did great things or he ministered to multitudes, wonderful things happened, and then it would say, and he went away and spent all night in prayer. Why? Why? Because he understood, and I'll use this terminology and I hope you understand. He understood that prayer is like gas in the tank of a car. You can have the most beautiful car, it can have the greatest engine, but if it doesn't have any gas in it, it's not going anywhere. I found out years ago, as believers corporately and as a believer individually, I need to be a person to pray You say, well, how do I do that? Well, you set aside a time. I'll tell you how to, if you don't know how to pray, go through growth track. We'll teach you how to pray. I'll just keep plugging it for you. All right? You set aside a time. You set aside a place. You ask God to help you. You you, you, you lay out a plan. You get specific with God. All these things are part of prayer. Prayer is not religious. Prayer is communication. Prayer is just talking to God like you talk to your best friend. That's what we're called to do. We are called as believers to live this life, day in and day out, devoted, set apart to God Almighty. That's what we're called to do. Now, now here's what I want to do in the next, I don't know, four or five minutes. I want to make it real practical for you. I, I, wanna, I, I don't want to just give you a good idea. I want to make it real practical in how you make it count. That's what this whole series is about, is making my life count. So how do we make it count? Number one is that you have a lifestyle of spiritual disciplines. If I'm devoted to God, if my body is the Lord, then I need, we don't like the word, I need some discipline in my life. Several weeks ago in another series I did, I talked to you about RPMs, and I wasn't talking to you about race cars. I said everybody needs RPMs in their life. Here's what it is. Every day you ought to be reading the Word of God. Every day you ought to be praying. Every day you ought to be meditating. RPM. If you would do that, and here's what I ask, and I ask it again. I would ask everybody to give five minutes to each of those. You say, don't you think people ought to do more? Yeah, I think they ought to, but I would be thrilled if I saw everybody in love and true churches taking 15 minutes a day just to read the Word of God, to pray to God, and to meditate on what God said in His Word and in my time of prayer. You know what would begin to happen? Revival would begin to happen. An awakening would begin to take place. We would begin to see people living out a new testament reality it wouldn't be just something that we do on sunday it would genuinely be something that we do every day number two is we've got to continue to grow spiritually you can't settle and say well i've got it all figured out i told someone this past week i said i've been doing this over 30 years pastoring and preaching and i said i thought by this time in my life that i would kind of have it together and it would be real easy And what I am finding is, is that I spend more time studying, I spend more time preparing, I spend more time figuring out what it is that I'm supposed to say when I preach than I did 20 years ago. Why? Because you've got to continue to grow. You you can't settle. Don't settle for last year's plateau. Don't settle for 10 years ago a place you came with God. Continue to pursue continue to devote yourself continue to go forward and number three is you need to find your place in the local house i believe with all my heart again i don't think that christianity without a local house is biblical you say well what about the christians in china you're not there and they will risk their lives to come to a little meeting in a house with 20 or 30 people and know that if the doors are broken down, they will experience imprisonment and possibly death, but they so want to be with other believers that they show up. And you and I have nobody, nobody stopping us. We do not want to stand beside those people on Judgment Day. Now, here's what I want to say. If you and I are really, genuinely saved, it's going to show in our lives. There's going to be something about our lives that are lived in a manner that pleases God. People are going to know that we are devoted to God Almighty. Amen.